We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, November the 23rd, 2020. On today's show, I break down South Carolina's 17 to 10 loss. Gamecocks falling to the Missouri Tigers, but some positives to pull from the game. A new era has begun. Luke Doty playing the entire second half. The defense pitching a shutout. Obviously, again, the Gamecocks losing. No moral victories, but I break down everything I saw in the game, including my biggest takeaway from Saturday. I'll hand out some game balls as well. There's a lot to get into and a lot to unpack from South Carolina's touchdown loss to the Missouri Tigers. Also, I give my thoughts on Friday, which was craziness on social media, Javon Kinlaw's tweet, and what followed after. And I will give my thoughts on what Javon said, what needs to happen between him, the Gamecock fan base, much, much more from there as well. Also, of course, as always, your listener questions, voicemails. And we have a fantastic interview, guys. Former Gamecocks defensive back Vic Hampton joins the show. If you do remember, Vic was on the show over the summer. We broke down his career, everything else at South Carolina. But this conversation, a little bit different as we talk about the current state of the program, his thoughts on who South Carolina should hire, the culture within the building, a lot of stuff. Vic, gracious enough to give us his time. So thank him for that guys we got a packed show here on a monday so sit back relax enjoy it's all brought to you by our friends over at upstate movers group guys upstate movers group superior moving service they bring care and attention other companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service guys service is what separates upstate movers group from the competition by the way guys they're not a trucking company they are a moving services company and they're also employee-owned co-op which means their movers are paid twice the industry average and everyone on the crew is just as invested in the success of the project as you are. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. They are founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether you're in the upstate, the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs, be sure to check out my friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. And of course, their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That is upstatemoversgroup.com. Again, guys, if you have moving needs, we all know how much of a pain in the butt moving can be. You lose stuff, you break stuff, and hey, you just don't really want to do it. Give the guys over at Upstate Movers Group 
a call. Again, a Gamecock owned small business. Gamecock's helping Gamecocks here on the Spurs Up show, guys. Again, you can find them on social media, whether you're in the upstate, across the state of South Carolina, or if you're hearing the sound of my voice in general, if you're in the local area and you need help, you have moving needs, Upstate Movers Group is the way to go. Again, check them out on social media and go to their website. Check them out, upstatemoversgroup.com. That is upstatemoversgroup.com. Com. The show is also brought to you by our friends over at Southern Oaks Remodeling. Guys, Southern Oaks Remodeling, locally and family-owned, over 15 years of experience, and they specialize in roofing, windows, doors, siding, and additions, and they're serving the greater Columbia area. Guys, you can check them out on social media and give them a call, 803-899-0284, for all of your remodeling needs. Of course, they also have a website as well, guys. Like I said, service is what makes the difference. When people spend money with a business, they're not necessarily even investing in that business. They're investing in people and the people is what makes the difference with Southern Oaks Remodeling. Guys, also another Gamecock owned small business. So again, we're all about Gamecocks helping Gamecocks on the Spurs Up show a Gamecock owned small business guys and you know they're going to take care of you over 15 years of experience and when the remodeling process when you're having work done in your house or what it may be we know it's a very personal experience, right? They're in your home. You get to know the people. And again, the people are what make the difference with Southern Oaks Remodeling. Guys, if you have any remodeling needs, again, they do it all. Roofing, windows, doors, siding, additions, whatever you need, they got it. The holiday season is a perfect time to knock out those projects. Be sure to give them a call. You can check them out on social media, like I said, at Southern Oaks Remodeling and give them a call. 803-899-0284. That's 803 899 Eight, four. Guys, also the show is brought to you by our friends over at my bookie. Guys, between the NFL, college football, there's no shortage of games to watch. And with thousands of lines available in all your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game day into payday with my bookie. Guys, if you're the person who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. And of course, guys, don't forget the underdogs, right? They have a ton of value. The thing about college football, NFL, sports in general, the underdogs are never really dogs, right? Every team truly has a chance to win, and you do as well. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Guys, you can sign up today at mybookie.ag, and when you do, use the promo code GAMECOCKS to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. So, guys, you go to mybookie.ag, use that promo code GAMECOCKS, you put in 1000 they are going to give you an additional 1000 in free play, guys. And, hey, with Thanksgiving, upcoming on Thursday. We got a ton of football this weekend, a ton of sports in general, both NFL, college, everything. This is the perfect time to create your account and get that dollar-for-dollar deposit match. Guys, it's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start in your winning season. Again, that's promo code GAMECOCKS, promo code GAMECOCKS for you to claim your bonus when you make your first deposit. Stat UFC cards, college football, NFL, all the major sports and more. Guys, sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. Let's get it. Looks like we have found 
our quarterback. Guys, hope you're all doing well. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. I'm Chris Phillips, shows the Spurs Up show as always, guys. We've got a lot to get into. A very, very interesting show as I break down South on a 17-10 loss to the Missouri Tigers. Also, a bunch of stuff happening over the weekend in regards to social media, as I'm sure you guys saw, listener questions, voicemails, fantastic interview, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in here on a Monday. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Um, first things first, before we really get going, I do want to say really quickly, um, and I promise I won't get too sentimental here, but to those, you know, obviously I was able to go to the game on Saturday night, um, was at a tailgate, got to walk around, shake hands, meet a lot of people. Um, to everyone who interacted, said what's up, uh, showed their love, appreciation, everything else. I just want you to know I truly, from the bottom of my heart, appreciate it so, so much. Words cannot describe how appreciative I am of everything, guys. For you guys showing love, again, showing the support. It's, I, I love – that's that's the, the biggest thing, guys, that I've missed from the pandemic and COVID. We're really not able to go to games like we used to be able to. And obviously, you know, being in the stadium, I think there are only 13,000 people in there or something like that. But – being able to walk around and talk with fans and meet people and talk Gamecocks and interact with you guys is something I do not take for granted. It is awesome. I genuinely, truly do appreciate it. So, again, everyone who took time out of their day Saturday to say hello, to say, hey, I love your show, love what you do, or, or just talk Gamecocks in general, man. Thank you guys so, so much. You guys are what make doing this worth it. I Really, I, I truly, truly do appreciate it. I, I cannot – stress it enough how much I appreciate. So again, guys, I, I really do appreciate you all tuning in. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Obviously, it's crazy. I was thinking about this over the weekend, thinking about it yesterday, actually. Uh, it's wild. Thanksgiving week is here, right? 2020 has just absolutely flown by, right? Like literally Thanksgiving is Thursday, and obviously we're in the midst of the season. Everything's going on, you know, super busy with the Will Muschamp stuff, especially last week. And then I look up and I'm like, oh my gosh, Thanksgiving is Thursday. I'm thinking in my head, you know, it's just game week, whatever. You got Georgia this weekend, but uh, because it is Georgia week, which is one of my favorite weeks of the year, by the way. And you guys are going to see a ton of hate Georgia content on the show this week, which I know nobody's going to complain about that. But uh, no, it's wild, man. 2020 has flown by. And I really do appreciate you guys tuning in. But seriously, man, to everybody that showed love. Again, that's what I missed most, honestly, about going to games and going to events and meeting people. And uh, it's, it's just purely a blessing, man. I, I can't stress enough how much I do appreciate it. So again, to everyone that said what's up, showed love, you know, was able to take some pictures with some people and talk Gamecocks and it was a great day, man. It was awesome to get back into Willie B. Again, in case you somehow missed it, I did get in the stadium, had fantastic seats, basically sat at the 50. I was close enough to the field where we could hear the pads popping and everything, and it, it, it was a blast. I mean, it was an absolute blast, and obviously felt really, really good to get back into Willie B. But it, it's crazy, guys, because we're going to go and dive into everything um, with this show and talking about the Missouri game. Um, normally, you know, and this was the beginning of a new era, right? A new era has begun with Gamecock football. Uh, Will Muschamp, obviously, last week, relieved of his duties. First game post-Muschamp, and I was thinking to myself, and I was talking to my buddy as I walked into Willie B. This was the first game since 2015 that Will Muschamp was not roaming the sidelines for South Carolina. I was just thinking, like, how crazy that was. Like, really, how long it had been, because I was at the last game that Will Muschamp was not at South Carolina, the 2015 Clemson game. I was in the stadium for that one, and then, obviously, I was in the stadium Saturday for the first game post-Muschamp. Um... And, you know, normally after a loss, you know, I, I, I'll come on here a bit dejected and upset or disappointed or what have you, right? The emotions are flying high. The, emo the emotions are sky high, obviously, as we all know. And you guys have heard you guys have heard the shows the past couple of weeks and just kind of the tone and how they've been. Um, 
you know, it's crazy coming into this one. And the, the best way I can summarize it is this. Leaving the stadium Saturday night, the guy that I went to the game with, and really the people that I went to the game with, the mood from them was very, very interesting. My buddy, my buddy literally looked over at me and said, you know, I know we lost the game, but I don't really feel like we lost. And that really stood out to me because I said this on social media, and I'll say it again here for you guys. I woke up on Sunday. Again, normally I'm waking up, you know, pissed off, disappointed, upset, whatever the emotions are. For the first time in a while, I woke up on Sunday and I felt hope. I, I really didn't. Again, there's no moral victories. It's disappointing. You lose to Missouri. Um, it, it sucks to lose those guys, especially in a game where you had an opportunity to win. And, and maybe, you know what, maybe we're just so beaten, battered, and bruised from Will Muschamp that, you know, it's just gotten to this point where you lose by seven to Mizzou at home and, and people are looking at the positives. But no, seriously, I, I woke up Sunday and I come into this Monday talking to you guys here on the airwaves. And I, I feel hope for the first time in really a while. Um, and I think we all know why that is. Again, the main topic of conversation today is going to be Luke Doty. Uh, Luke Doty coming in the second half again. You lose to Mizzou 17 to 10. But all of the buzz on social media, post-game, everything else is Luke Doty. Colin Hill obviously playing the first half. You're down 17 to nothing at half. And, guys, this one was brutal. I mean, this one was brutal in that first half. Extremely boring. You had 68 yards of offense. I mean, I was sitting there. I felt like I was about to fall, fall asleep. You know what I mean? I was thinking to myself, oh, boy, this is going to be a very, very long night. Going to be a very long night. I mean, again, 17 to nothing at half. You're doing nothing offensively. And, you know, I thought your defense was fighting their tails off, but, you know, was put in some really, really tough situations. And I know we were all thinking it. We, we were all thinking it. What's, what's the harm, right? Because I saw it on social media, and everybody I talked to said, hey, season's a wash, season's a wash, season's a wash. And that was sort of the mood, I thought, of that game, especially in the first half. It just kind of felt like a going-through-the-motions type of night in that first half. And again, I think there are moments in a program that, again, the biggest issue with Will Muschamp in his tenure was I think fans lost hope, right? They just lost hope. You know, you didn't have any feelings, any positive feelings at all that you felt like things would get better. And I think, you know, I, listen, I, I don't want to, I don't want to over-exaggerate it. I don't want to make too big of a deal of it. But maybe, just maybe, the insertion of Luke Doty could serve as one of those moments. Now, not really for the 2020 season, because, listen, I, I do think the 2020 season is a bit of a wash. You're 2-6 and six now. You've got two games left. I mean, realistically, you open up as a, basically a three-touchdown a three underdog to Georgia. I mean, what are you going to do in that one? You might beat Kentucky, sure. You might go to a bowl game because I think everybody's bowl eligible. But really beyond 2020. Again, that's what everybody wants to talk about. So I'm not going to beat around the bush. Um, I think that's what everybody wants to talk about, Luke Doty. And... It is wild watching the game on Saturday night, thinking to yourself, how are we just now getting this guy in the game? I mean, 
was it really Muschamp that was holding it back? I, I find that hard to believe because I saw a lot of people saying that, is that, oh, my God, it really was Muschamp. You get rid of him, and they're willing to play him. And I really – I don't know. I, I think Bobo was stubborn and sticking to his ways with his guy, Colin Hill. And, and listen, I do want to make one thing clear, too, because I had someone DM me on Instagram and say, oh, you ready to stop, you know, get off the Hill hype train? Are you ready to finally stop, you know, riding Colin Hill and hyping up Colin Hill? And I want to make one thing very clear. You know, I advocated for Luke Doty to play, by the way. I I wanted Luke Doty to get out there. And you see why. The dude can do things that no other quarterback on this roster can do, point blank, period. My biggest point a few weeks ago, and I think it was after the LSU game specifically in defending Colin Hill, was that he is not the number one problem on this team, or he was not. It was the defense. Again, you go through a three-game stretch, you give up 159 points. It wasn't Colin Hill that gave up 159 points. It was the defense. But with that being said, you know, and I saw somebody phrase this beautifully on social media. And basically their point was this. Colin Hill is not the main problem or was not the main problem with this team. But he was a problem. And so just because he's not the main problem doesn't mean you shouldn't address it. And again, I advocated, I wanted to see Doty play. You know, a lot of people were saying, hey, play Helensky, play Helensky, whatever. I said to you guys, right, if you remember listening, you remember how that I said this. If you're going to play anybody other than Colin Hill, it's got to be Luke Doty. Because again, he brings a different dynamic to your offense. And I've said this for a while. I really, truly do believe to win big at South Carolina, to even have the opportunity to win big at South Carolina, and really to have the opportunity to win big in college football, you've got to have a dual-threat quarterback, right? Defenses are too good. They're too athletic. They're too big. They're too fast. They're too strong. And you saw, and it tickled me to death, you saw so many examples of that on Saturday night. How many times, I can think of two or three times right off the top of my head. How many times Saturday night was there a play where Luke Doty dropped back and with Colin Hill, 100% a sack, 100%, no question. And I mean, it was, it was brutal all first half, right? Dude got eaten alive back there. Pass pro, I don't know what happened. Mizzou was a team that came in this game with eight total sacks as a team. And I don't, let's see, how many sacks did they have? As a team, let's pull up the box score here. How many, how many sacks did they have in the game? Let's see. They had, they had three sacks. And they came in the game with eight, and they had three in one game. Okay. So, pass pro was not there. But there were three or four instances, I would say, where Luke Doty dropped back. And if Colin Hill's in the game, it's 100% a sack. But with Luke Doty, He's able to shake, make a guy miss. Eight-yard gain, 10-yard gain, 15-yard gain, whatever. Or he gets the pass off, positive play. That's the difference with a guy like Luke Doty versus not just Colin Hill, but Ryan Holinsky as well. Because I see a lot of people, and I will say this, guys. I I I was on row nine. I was close. I was very, very close to the field, obviously, on the home side. And the thing that's really interesting that it gives you a different perspective is the ability to see body language on the sideline. I thought that was really, really cool and really unique. And again, something that I really hadn't thought about before. 
But it's something cool to really be able to see the body language, guys, even the guys that aren't necessarily on the field, to see the body language of the guys on the sidelines. And I, and I will say this, talking quarterbacks, for the first time this season, you know, college football is a business. It's cutthroat. You got to play the best players. You got to try to win, win as many games as possible. For the first time this season, though, I felt bad for Ryan Holinsky. And that is not me sitting here saying that I think he should be playing over Luke Doty. It's not because I, I don't think he should. I don't think he should. I, again, I, I, I've said it since the beginning. If you're going to take Colin Hill out, you, you got to go with Doty. He gives your offense an entirely different dynamic, and especially now moving forward with Shai Smith probably going to be out against Georgia with a concussion. You got Xavier Leggett. Mike Bobo said he's out for the year. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, shout out Trey Adkins had two catches for 20 yards. But, I mean, when you're, you, you're digging at the bottom of the barrel right now for guys to catch the football. So, especially with that being said, you got to get the most dynamic player on the field. But, again, for the first time this season, I felt bad for Ryan Holinsky. You know, again, being so close, I was able to see Ryan and very rarely put on his helmet, only really put it on to warm up, had the headset on the whole night, and it was the body language of a kid that was dejected. I'm just just flat out dejected. And, you know, I, I will tell you guys, you know, I, I've heard from pretty good people, good sources of mine, that he is going to indeed transfer at the end of the year. Um, and he's waiting till the end of the season to announce that. So, and I, I don't think that surprises anybody. I mean, it, you know, I mean, you heard Mike Bobo after the game Saturday saying, um, you know, we didn't have a, you know, we, we, we in practice, we, we repped Colin Hill, Luke Doty. We didn't have a plan for Ryan Holinsky. And when you hear that, to think that Ryan Holinsky has fallen to QB three, it's tough. And again, it's a business. It's cutthroat. You know, when you sign that letter of intent, there's no guarantee, right? The best player must play, bottom line. But again, for the first time Saturday night, I, I felt for the kid. I, I really did. Because to go from where he was to where he is now, you know, it's tough. But, but diving more specifically into this game Saturday night, because, again, no moral victories, right? You lose to Missouri 17-10, it sucks. Which, I don't know about you guys, I was shocked how low scoring it was. Thought it was a sloppy game, to be honest. Pretty sloppy. Um, and, again, definitely in that first half, it had the vibe of, you know, everybody's saying, again, the season's a wash, the season's a wash. It certainly had that feel. Like, it was weird. Very weird. But you, could, you look at the stat line. 14 for 23 for Luke Doty, 130 yards passing. He had that one bad pick at the end, which, listen, again, he's going to have those growing pains. But I 100% understand, and I did understand it previously, but it really is amplified after a game like Mizzou where Luke Doty plays that second half. You now maybe finally get what Gamecock fans were saying is that they'd rather lose with a Luke Doty or even a Ryan Helensky versus Colin Hill because the, for the first time in forever, I see a Gamecock fan base with hope. I see a fan base with hope. Like maybe this Luke Doty guy, maybe this guy, maybe this is the guy, right? 11 carries for 59 yards. He was the Gamecocks' leading rusher. Most rushing yards for a South Carolina quarterback since Perry Orth in 2015. Guys, it was shades of Connor Shaw. I mean, some of the things, and I don't want to put those unfair expectations on Luke Doty. Listen, Connor Shaw, winning his quarterback in school history, had insane talent around him. I don't want to put those unfair expectations on this kid. But, man, I mean, he had flashes. You know what I mean? He had flashes. There's no question. 
the kid had flashes. You know, I thought Nick Muse offensively played a really good game. Six catches for 67 yards, your leading, your leading receiver. And I know he's been a guy that's been um, – there's been mixed reviews on, on Nick. And, and, you know, he's had his, his drop issues, especially early in the season. But I thought he had a really good game. He's going to be a guy that needs to step up big time going to this Georgia and Kentucky games, last two games of the season. I mean, especially with Luke Doty, I assume is going to be the starter. I, I, I tell you guys, if Mike Bobo <laughs> – if Mike Bobo – trots Colin Hill back out there, Gamecock fans will mutiny. Not even joking. So I'm going to speak it into existence, and I think Luke Doty is going to be the starter on Saturday against Georgia. So a guy like Nick Muse is going to have to step up, play really, really good football, because he's going to be his young freshman quarterback's best friend. So that was nice to see. And listen, I got to give love to the South Carolina defense. Got to give love to the defense, because listen, this has been a tumultuous week for that defense and I mean it's I mean it has been wow I mean we, we all know 159 points in that three-game stretch worst in school history worst ever I mean awful just awful and you're thinking to yourself my god this defense couldn't stop a nosebleed and your two best players two best defensive backs I'll say opt out you lose your defensive-minded head coach and all you do is go out there and hold them to 17 points, and you don't give up a second-half point all night. I mean, the irony to me, the, the I mean, you only give up 203 passing yards for a defense that was giving up 288 yards per game through the air. You only give up 203 yards through the air, 98 yards rushing. And again, you don't give up a second-half point after being down 17 to nothing. Which, which leads me to my biggest takeaway from this Saturday because I said some things going into this game, and, and I, I had major question marks about the leadership and the culture on this football team. And I think those were fair questions. I mean, when you saw what happened on social media last week with, with players going at fans and fans going at players and alumni going at fans, and I mean, it was just a whirlwind. It was a shit show. Just call it for what it was. It was a complete shit show. My biggest takeaway from the game Saturday, and there could be many. I know for a lot of you, and I went back and forth on this because, I mean, heck, one of the biggest takeaways in this game is definitely Luke Doty is the quarterback on this roster that gives this team the best chance to win football games. I feel like that's a given, okay? But my biggest takeaway from this game Saturday is the culture on this team is better than I gave it credit for. And again, I was very, very critical coming in this football game. Again, with everything squirreling and a complete shit show, right? I wasn't sure if we were going to see a team that quit, that had given up, or a team that came out and fought, and fought for one another, and fought for the University of South Carolina. And I will say this, again, there's no moral victories. It sucks to lose. But for a team that could have just packed it in, a team that could have just completely quit, given up, you're down 17 to nothing in the first half at halftime. And I thought the defense, by the way, did fight their asses off in that first half. You just played so poorly offensively. You gave yourself no chance. And you gave your defense really no chance either. But for a South Carolina team, again, that was down 17 to nothing at halftime, had every reason to quit, had every reason to pack it in and say, you know what, screw it. We're down 17 nothing. We got no chance. You pitch a shutout defensively in the second half. And again, I, I really think a lot of it, guys, does come back 
to the insertion of Luke Doty at quarterback. I really do think it does. And again, this is coming from someone that has, you know, defended, if you want to call it that, defended Colin Hill. Again, my whole point in it was just saying that he wasn't the number one problem. I, I would have been down from the start to roll with, with Luke Doty. I, I told you guys, I don't give a damn who QB1 is. Play the guy that gives us the best chance to win. Well, we found out Saturday night, that guy is Luke Doty. Absolutely no question. That guy is Luke Doty. And I think you saw, you know, his insertion. And again, like I said, guys, I was close enough to see body language and see the way guys react. You know, I saw it. I saw a couple guys, you know, when Colin Hill took a sack and I think it was on like third down or something, you know, guys on the, you know, defensive guys, especially on the sideline, like, oh, God, here we go. Oh, shrugging to the shoulders, rolling to the eyes. You know what I mean? Like, oh, God, here we go. Here we go again. Back on the field we go, right? It's frustrating. I mean, that's how we all felt, too. But that insertion of Luke Doty, man, like I, I saw a spark in the team, I, I, not just offensively, but defensively as well. And it kind of reminded me, guys, of 2008, you know, when Steven Garcia would get his opportunities. It, it really reminded me of that. And again, I, I don't want to put too much on this kid's shoulders because he's just a true freshman. You know, I, I, I'm, 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 I've already in this show compared him to two of the best South Carolina quarterbacks who ever played. Whoever, whoever wore the jersey, you know? So I want to be careful <laughs> with the comparisons, right? But he had that impact. I, I really believe Luke Doty had that impact. And so, again, my biggest takeaway, the culture, though, on this team, it's much better than I gave it credit for. I was very critical of it. I was very harsh of it. And I, I had a lot of questions. I mean, that was my literally my biggest question coming in the game. And I thought you saw a group of guys, and I, I was, again, not happy, no moral victories, but I was, I was proud leaving the stadium. I was proud of those dudes for fighting their asses off and representing the University of South Carolina in a positive way. And, you know, it, South Carolina might go, probably, probably might lose the last two games. You got a good chance against Kentucky. They've completely fallen apart. Alabama beat the absolute shit out of them, but... Even if you lose the last two, man, even if you lose the last two, I now believe it's going to be with a team that is going to fight their tails off. They're going to compete. They're going to fight scratch and claw. And, you know, I, I loved what I heard Saturday night from Sedarius Hutchinson because I asked who are the leaders on the football team? Who are the leaders? Sedarius Hutcherson, the comments he had at the game about why he's playing in these last three games, why he decided not to opt out, Beautiful stuff of legends. Awesome, awesome stuff. Says a lot about his character. And then defensively, of course, I think Ernest Jones, man, that, that's a guy that, I mean, I'd go to war with him. I, I will go to war with Ernest Jones. That dude is an animal. But again, I think the, the insertion of Luke Doty like really gave a spark to this entire team. You know, you see your quarterback making plays. When's the last time we saw a Gamecocks quarterback juke somebody out of their shoes? Because that's what we saw on Saturday night. And again, I thought you saw the team respond. Now, again, there's still a lot of issues on this football team. We're taking a look at it just, you know, black and white. You lose the football game. What happened? What went right? What went wrong? Obviously, you lose Shy Smith early. And that's the biggest thing, too, with Luke Doty in the second half. He did it without Shy Smith. I and mean, that's wild that he was able to have any success. And I will say, and you guys already know this, it is pretty painful to watch this Gamecock offense without Shy Smith, without, without 
it's big play threat. I was also very surprised at South Carolina's lack of ability to run the football. Um, 16 for 58 for Kevin Harris. Um, you know, I mean, it, you know, he, he's, he's, he's been crushing it lately. So, I mean, he was kind of doing off game, I guess. But, uh, you know, I was surprised at that a bit. So there are definitely things to clean up, and you've got to find now. I mean, if you, if you don't have Shy Smith for Georgia, which I, I think is highly doubtful at this point, you know, with him being in concussion protocol. I mean, I, guys, I saw him walking off the field. He didn't know where the hell he was. I mean, he took a shot for the Mizzou defensive back. But, again, I think you have a team that is going to fight their asses off. And, and at this point in the season, guys, you know, I'm normally really, really harsh. I'm really critical uh, I nitpick sometimes, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, 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 I give my honest take and my honest opinion. But this season is a bit of a wash. I, let's call it for what it is, right? I know you guys would probably agree. Again, I, I, I don't want the team thinking that way. You've got two more opportunities as a football team to go out there, represent the University of South Carolina in the right way. And who knows? Hey, you can ruin Georgia's season. What Gamecock? It, nothing would make me happier. <laughs> to see South Carolina ruin Georgia's season again. And, hey, you're a 19-point underdog at home. Guess what? You were a 24.5-point underdog last year. And, yes, it, it does scare me a little bit that you are going to – your your prized freshman quarterback's first career start is going to come against the Georgia Bulldogs, one of the best defenses in the entire country. But, hey, you wanted to play on this level. Welcome to the SEC. Here you go, young buck. Best of luck. But, again, I, I think you have a team that is going to go out there and fight their asses off. Now, again, can they find any sort of offensive explosiveness, I guess you could say? Can they, can they find anything offensively to, to score some points? And defensively, can you build off of the performance you had on Saturday night against Mizzou. And again, Missouri's not some offensive juggernaut, obviously, but if you'd have told me the Gamecock defense was going to give up 17 points, I'd have told you South Carolina wins that game. I would have told you South Carolina won that game. I mean, I know we were all shocked at a 17-10 to 10 final. But again, I think it all comes back to this. And I, you guys are probably listening to this like, is this Chris? Is, is, this, is this the same guy? Being like overwhelmingly positive on a Monday? After a touchdown loss to Missouri at home, I mean, I'm I'm disappointed. I am. I'm obviously losing sucks. Losing sucks, bro. But again, I think it just comes back to for the first time in a while, we have hope. You just truly, and that's and that's again. I don't want to put too much stock into it. I guess because listen, it was one half of football. Okay, and Missouri's not. Georgia. They're not Alabama. They're not LSU. Well, not the LSU of this year. They're not Florida, right? They're not an elite. But again, Luke Doty with his playmaking ability. I mean, he, if nothing else, and this is what I told you guys, right? Like, just make South Carolina game day exciting again. That's it. <laughs> We've gotten to the point we just want the games to be fun to watch. I mean, I was about to fall asleep in the first half. I'm sure many of you were as well. And the second half, there was actually excitement. Like, it, it was like, wow, like this is, man, where did this burst of energy come from? 
And I think you saw that on the sidelines too. And again, that's what I think having a guy like Luke Doty in the lineup that can make plays with his feet, that can turn nothing into something. When this kid made some really, really good throws as well, guy can throw on the run. I think he throws a beautiful ball. And again, he's going to have his growing pains. He's going to have his freshman moments. But why not do that now? Because ironically enough, going into the game Saturday, like literally walking to the stadium, you know, we're all talking who's going to be the next head coach, who's going to be the head coach, uh, whatever, right? We're all kind of all that swirling, right? We all want to know, which I'm going to get into some head coaching rumors in just a second, by the way. But who's it going to be? You know, that's what everybody wants to know. You know, again, I was saying this going into the stadium Saturday night. I was like, you know what? I, I think no matter who you hire, the next head coach is going to bring a spread offense. We're going to get back to a more modern offense, uh, a forward-thinking, aggressive offense, spread, tempo, all that good stuff. I think we're going to get back to that. And again, I said it going into the stadium. I was like, I think Luke Doty is on the fast track to be the starting quarterback next year because he fits that mold. He's that guy. Again, Sucks for Ryan Helensky, guys. I understand. I know a lot of you are upset that Ryan Helensky's not getting to play. But Luke Doty just does things that neither one of those other two guys can do. And that's just a fact. It's just a fact. And then you look at a guy like Colton Gothier coming in. You look at a guy like Gunnar Stockton, which I think South Carolina will hold on to, by the way. As long as Connor Shaw's involved in that program, which, again, having Connor as quarterback's coach was awesome. Seeing him on the field was awesome, and I definitely think he had a positive impact on Saturday night because Luke Doty cited that in the postgame. But I think, you know, you're, you're seeing the, the quarterback room move more towards that style, which I think is smart, and that's how it should be. It's 2020 college football. You got to have a dual threat guy. You just have to. You don't have a choice. Defenses are too good. And guess what? South Carolina, as good as they are, they don't have a bunch of five-star offensive linemen out there protecting their quarterback. You can't just drop back three to five steps, count one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000, release. You don't have time to do that. And, hey, you don't have the receivers right now to do it either. So you got to get creative. A guy like Luke Doty gives you that. So, again, I could go on for days about Luke, his performance. Let's hand out some game balls, by the way. Let's hand out some game balls, TSUS game balls for South Carolina's game Saturday night against Missouri. And the game balls are presented to you, by the way, guys, by our friends over at Yardware because the show is brought to you by Yardware. Guys, Yardware is a veteran-owned operating company licensed by the University of South Carolina selling must-have Carolina yard and wall signs. Guys, these signs are made out of 12-gauge laser-cut steel, and they come in both garnet and black. Football season's in full swing. Christmas is right around the corner, guys. These are a must-have for any Gamecock fan, guys. And I'm also very excited to announce this. If you're tuning in the show and you have not seen this yet on social media, I'm excited. I've teamed up with the guys over at Yardware Signs. We are giving away a free sign this week. Again, if you haven't seen it yet, you're going to see it soon on social media. I'm going to be giving away a free yard or Yardware sign to one lucky Gamecock fan, all right? One lucky Gamecock fan. It's going to be on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to be eligible. The rules will be on there. Basically, you have to like the post. You have to follow. You have to tag three people. Again, I will have all the rules on there. But we're going to give away a free Yardware sign. And again, these things are awesome. I mean, it's a must-have for any Gamecock fan, guys. It's not going to break the bank either, only $34.95. And again, mine's in my studio. You guys see it every single day. If you tune in the Daily Crow, you see it. If you look at the, the social media clips, you see it. These things are awesome. The detail, 
the quality of it's incredible. I mean, they, they really should be charging more. I, I'll, I'll be honest right now, guys. And I've told them that. You could charge way more than $34.95. But, guys, you can get it at that cheap price at $34.95. You can put it anywhere, your yard, your studio, your office, your, your man cave, garage, living room, dining room. It's a really, really – it's a really, like, nice and classy piece. You know, it's not something that's, like – cheap and flimsy and no no it is like a really really impressive nice piece you're going to impress your friends and especially with christmas coming up you have those people in your life whether it be family friends maybe you're going to a christmas party and you just don't know what to get the person that's so annoying right when you're going christmas shopping and you just have no idea oh my god what am i going to get this person guys if they're a gamecock fan this is an absolute no-brainer. You can check them out on social media at Yardware Signs, and you can order yours today at YardwareSigns.com. That is YardwareSigns.com. Again, guys, check them out. Again, another Gamecock-owned small business founded by University of South Carolina alumni. If you need any more reason to buy one of these signs, there you go. There's your kicker. But again, YardwareSigns.com, also on social media, at YardwareSigns. And guys, stay tuned for that giveaway that is coming this week. We will pick a winner on Friday. One lucky Gamecock fan is going to get themselves a free Yardware sign. So again, guys, stay tuned for that. All right, let's move into the TSUS game balls. I'm going to start offensively. And drum roll, please. Just kidding. There's no need for it because you guys already know at this point. It's got to go to Luke Doty. I mean, again, Luke Doty for a true freshman, finally getting his opportunity. You know, he's played limited. He's played sparingly. And I remember when he came in to start the second half, and I look at my buddy, and I'm like, God, if they pull him out after two snaps, I'm going to be so upset. Just give the kid a drive. Give him give him a few drives. No, he plays that entire second half, goes 14 for 23 for 130 yards, does have the bad pick, but again, a freshman mistake. It is what it is. But 14 for 23 for 130 yards, but on the ground, 11 carries for 59 yards, a long of 17, 5.4 yards per carry. Again, guys, two to three to, I'd probably say four different instances that literally would have been a sack with any other quarterback on the roster in there. With Luke Doty, it's an eight-yard gain. It's a 10-yard gain. It's a 17-yard gain. It's a first down. It's a positive play. That makes the difference, especially for a team like South Carolina, no doubt. Let's move to defense. My TSUS game ball for the defensive side. And this guy, no doubt, deserves it, man. He has been a much maligned player for South Carolina. Just call it what it is. Um, a guy that at times has struggled and struggled. or You know, I, I say struggled, but got beat early in this game. Gave up a touchdown over. I thought the coverage was really good, but a great throw and catch. Give them credit. But Cam Smith had four total tackles, but he has the interception. That was a big momentum-shifting play. And again, for a guy like Cam Smith that was a highly regarded prospect, again, much maligned, we all remember the Tennessee game. We all get it. He, he's, you know, had, had a brutal first game of this season. Just call it for what it is. Hasn't played a ton since. Um, you know, obviously had the pick against Vandy. But I it just, it, it always, I don't know, for Cam Smith, it still just feels like redemption. You know what I mean? That this guy, again, had such a rough start. And he goes out there and gets that interception. Again, a big-time momentum-shifting play, and that was one of the big plays in the second half that this defense has when they had when they literally pitched a shutout in the second half. Really, really good stuff. Really, really good stuff. So congratulations again to the offense, Luke Doty. Defense, Cam Smith. TSUS game balls. And like I said, guys, now we move into Georgia week. Obviously, I didn't talk about this a bunch, but I have to say something. I, I, I don't know what to attribute it to because it's crazy to me that – you know, your, your, your defensive-minded head coach gets fired, and this is the best the defense is looking over a month. So, <laughs> I don't really know. That math doesn't necessarily add up. I don't know if it really just was Muschamp 
holding this group back. I mean, it's it's hard for me to say that is the reason. And then again, you lose your two best defensive backs and a safety, and your secondary looks the best they they've looked in over a month. Um, I don't know. Maybe you guys have the answer. I I did not really understand it. Um. I thought it was very ironic, and you know, it was. I know it made a it made a lot of Gamecock fans smile to a degree, but uh, no. Again, just happy to see the fight, the effort from the guys. Like I said, I know it's in a losing effort, and there are no moral victories, but hope, hope, guys, is the message I leave you with on that Missouri game as we move into the rest of the season. So again, it's it is Georgia week to hell with Georgia as we creep closer to Saturday's kickoff. All right, before I dive into listener questions and voicemails, one thing I want to touch on really really briefly because I gave my thoughts on it Friday, but I I was emotional and we all were. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Javon Kinlaw's tweet comes out and says Gamecock fans are the worst on my soul. And obviously, Friday was a shit show. I mean, I'm literally going live on the Daily Crow. You know, we start the live 12 to 1, all that good stuff. I click go live at noon. I'm going live. Hey, guys, we're going to talk Mizzou. We're going to give a prediction. I hear your predictions. Call in, blah, blah, blah. 12.01, Javon Kinlaw sends this tweet. 12.01. And so I'm in the middle saying all this stuff. Oh, yeah, we're going to go live. And I see the tweet. And I'm just like, uh. And I mean, I, I I was pissed. I mean, I know we all were. I was pissed, very pissed. But now, obviously, it's been 48, 72 hours, whatever. Been able to cool off. John Kinlaw still hasn't deleted the tweet. But at the game Saturday night, if you weren't in the building, if you haven't seen I know there's a video floating around Twitter. But if you haven't seen it, Saturday night, Javon Kinlaw's picture, you know, they show the NFL Gamecocks, right? And they'll show all the guys in the league, and they show, you know, Pat DeMarco and J.D. Clowney and Jonathan Joseph and uh, Debo Samuel and Brian, all these guys in the NFL, right? Well, they show Javon Kinlaw on the scoreboard, and the stadium boos. Stadium booed him. And, I mean, it was a it was a fair amount of people. Like, it was not three or four people. It was, I would say, at least half the crowd booed Javon Kinlaw. And I will say, I did not partake in it. I didn't boo him. I didn't boo, obviously. I, I didn't want to boo. I didn't I didn't like that the fans did. I didn't love that they did it. I understood why they did it. I know they're pissed off. I get it. I, I totally understand. Javon Kinlaw shit on the Gamecock fan base. I mean, he really did. And I mean, when you do that, what do you expect? You piss people off. But I said this on social media, and again, I want to echo this on the show. Emotions ran high last week for the entire week. It's kind of crazy the fact that, like, Will Muschamp's dismissal happened on Sunday. And, I mean, dude, throughout the entire week. You know, and I I think there were other things, too. You had the firing. You had the opt-outs. You had uh, the comments that I posted from Ryan Brewer about, you know, about the opt-outs. And then you have the tweets. And it's just, like, craziness going on. But when you take a step back now, again, we're here on a Monday. It's the following week. We've played a game. My message would be this. I'm disappointed that the fans booed, but I totally and 100% understand it. And if you're a fan that booed, listen to this, I don't condemn you for it. Again, I totally get it. Because I was pissed on Friday. If you guys were tuning the Daily Crow, I was pissed off. I was pissed off. I used some very select language on that Friday live stream. Okay. But here's what needs to happen. Javon Kinlaw... Let's everybody take a deep breath. Emotions have run high. 
Javon Kinlaw needs to put out an apology. He needs to put out an apology tweet. It's a bad look. The University of South Carolina provide him with an op- provided him with an opportunity to get to the point he's at now, to make the money he's making now, to play for the San Francisco 49ers, whether he wants to admit that or not. And whether or not he had a bunch of great or horrible experiences with the fans, and I know they weren't all negative because Javon Kinlaw was one of the most celebrated defensive players, probably the most celebrated, especially defensive linemen we've had since Jadavion Clowney, no doubt. Take a deep breath. You're a big talking head for the school. Obviously, that's not a good look for recruiting. Obviously, that's not a good look when you're trying to get a new head coach. And so, again, that's I'm honestly a little surprised at the culture the guys showed on Saturday. Because I'll be honest, on Friday, I was like, wow. I mean, things are just off the rails bad behind closed doors. So, again, those guys impressed me with their fight, resiliency, toughness, everything else. But, um, yeah, my, my, my biggest thing, and again, I, I'm going to keep it brief. My biggest thing with Gamecock fans is, listen, we're all emotional last week. I, I agree what Javon Kinlaw said. Stinks. There's no other way to put it. And he kind of doubled down on it to when uh, Corey Miller said something to him on social media. And, he, you know, he said, oh, you know, they're, they're not paying me. I don't care, whatever. I hope that Javon Kinlaw wises up over the next couple of days, weeks. What I don't know how long it'll take. And issues an apology because here's the thing, man, and not not to get too like you know deep with you guys or whatever, but holding a grudge, it only hurts you. It doesn't hurt the other people. It only hurts you. If you're Kinlaw, it's only hurting you, bro. And hey, I guess what if he? I guess if he really feels that way, whatever. We don't have to celebrate him. And I said that on social media on Friday that there are plenty of Gamecocks, past, present, and future that we can celebrate and take pride in. If you don't want to be a part of that, it is what it is. Bygones be bygones and be gone. But none of us want that, man. Javon Kinlaw is one of our own. He wore the garnet in black, played great football. So hopefully that can be figured out. But it it was disappointing to hear the fans boo, but, dude, I, I totally understand it. I mean, you literally took a giant dump on the Gamecocks fan base. So what do you expect from them? What do you expect? I hope to see Javon Kinlaw apologize. Because, again, I, I know emotions were running high, but let's all sing kumbaya, come together. At least, if nothing else, put out an apology for good good faith. I mean, dude, again, you're one of the biggest influences in Gamecock football right now. You're playing in the NFL. You're a first-round draft pick. You can't be doing that. And you know it's a damn lie to say that every experience he's had has been negative. That dude has been celebrated. And, I mean, everybody loves that dude. So I, I don't believe that, that, oh, Gamecock fans are the worst. Really? No. So, again, let's sing Kumbaya. Let's come together. So uh, one last thing, by the way, guys, because I know you guys are interested in this. Before we get into listener questions and voicemails, um, if you did not know, I said this on the live stream before the game Saturday night, but I thought what was really interesting, as the coaching search rages on, the USC Letterman, at least a lot of them, I, I, one of my buddies that's a former player, um, was texting with him Friday night and talking to, talking to him Saturday and talking to him Sunday as well, getting updates. Um, there was a meeting with a bunch of USC Letterman and former players at 2 p.m. on Saturday with Gamecocks athletic director Ray Tanner, basically getting their feedback on the coaching search and who the next head coach should be. So... And I will just tell you guys right now, and again, some of you may love this, some of you may hate this. I would say right now, 
the leader in the clubhouse is probably Shane Beamer. And again, that's a name that's been tossed around a ton. He's getting the vote of confidence from a ton of former players. I mean, you saw Melvin Ingram on Twitter. You saw Andrew Clifford, Steven Garcia, Patrick DeMarco. You're seeing a ton of guys. Patrick Fish, a ton of them that want Shane Beamer to get the job. Again, some of you love it. Some of you hate it. I'm just telling you what I'm hearing. But it sounds like Beamer, Deuce Staley, and Billy Napier are the top three. I don't, I don't think Hugh Freeze is even in the conversation anymore, to be totally honest with you guys. I don't know. I could be wrong. I don't think so at this moment. Chris Rumpf was also talked about, um, but it sounds like they've already talked with a bunch of coaches, about six coaches. They're going to talk with three or four more this week, and it sounds like they want to have the announcement made by December the 10th. So, again, to let you guys in on what I'm hearing, that's what it sounds like. If I had to guess right now, I would put very good money. It's either going to be Napier or Beamer. It's either going to be one of those two guys. And, again, if I had to put more money on it, I'd probably say right now I'd probably guess it is going to be Shane Beamer. But, again, there's a lot to unpack, a lot to unfold as we continue with the coaching search, and it's all rumors, and he said, she said. But, again, that that is from a player that was in that meeting on Saturday. So, that's a pretty damn good source, if you ask me. Again, I don't, I don't pretend to be the quote-unquote insider guy with, with the sources, but, hey, it's always good to have a guy, right? And that's what the guy says. So, I'm, I'm going to go with him. But, uh, yeah, no, we'll see. Again, it's going to be interesting to see how this evolves over the next couple of weeks. But, again, I know we're hearing a bunch of crazy names out of left field, Munkin, and, uh, you, know, every, you know, we've talked Urban Meyer, Bob. No, I, I think the guys you need to focus on right now are probably Billy Napier and Shane Beamer. And I think those two guys – are going to be – it's going to be one of those two guys, in my opinion. So, But you never know. As time goes, as they go through more interviews, we could get a curveball, but uh, I'd bank on it being one of those two guys. So we'll see. It'll be fun. I mean, there's no no doubt. This is my first coaching search with the Spurs Up show. Now, I tell you what, we're having a blast right now. Having a blast. So, all right, let's go ahead and dive in these voicemails, guys. we got four voicemails, then your listener questions, then we'll get in this interview. Let's go ahead and dive into it. Yeah, man, I was just kind of curious um... – with Gunnar Stockton coming in in 2022, we already have two other four-star dual-threat quarterbacks with Doty, and you got Joyner as a receiver this year. But he's not been effective as a receiver, so my question is, will the new coach possibly look at bringing Joyner back to the quarterback position, which he was so highly recruited at, or what would that be going forward? Thanks. Yeah, man, appreciate the voicemail. And I know a lot of people are asking about on Joyner. And listen, there's still some people that feel like on Joyner didn't really get a fair shake at the quarterback position. You might not be totally wrong. Um, I will tell you from what I have heard from people I've talked to close to the situation, it sounds like most likely on Joyner is going to transfer, which to me is kind of crazy because I feel like that's probably something he should have done at least a year ago. And I mean, I'm glad he's a Gamecock. And I think it says a lot about him that he wanted to be a Gamecock and but I mean, for a guy that wanted to play quarterback, I don't understand why you would, why you wouldn't go try to do that. So, um, I, I doubt you ever see him, whether it be practiced, definitely a game, ever take a snap for South Carolina at the quarterback position ever again. And that that's a shame. That's definitely a shame. But again, from what I've heard, it sounds like he's probably going to transfer. Which again, I, I think for Dak Joiner would probably be the best decision. I, I thought it was going to be the best decision for him last year. So, um. You know, we'll see how, you know, things evolve. And listen, after that Kentucky game, there's going to be a lot of guys making a lot of decisions for their futures. 
If I had to guess right now, I think Dak Joyner is going to be one of those guys that's probably transferring. You probably will not see him uh, in a Gamecock uniform ever again after this season. So, And that's unfortunate, but appreciate the question, man. Appreciate the voicemail. What's up, Chris? Leaving the game now. And uh, I just want to say I was very pleased with how the team fought tonight. Uh, definitely had a new spark around Doty. Really liked it. Definitely think he should be the quarterback moving forward. No turning back. Let's build him up for the future and uh, just think about next year and years to come. But my question is, what do you think is Ryan Holinsky's future? Do you think Ryan stays and is a good QB2 option next year, assuming that Colin Hill doesn't come back, or do you think he transfers? Thanks, man. Go Cox. Hey, man, appreciate the call. Appreciate the voicemail. Um, I think 110% Ryan Holinsky going to transfer. I-, I think 100%. You know, uh and definitely after that game on Saturday night, again, Mike Bobo's comments post game just tell it all, man. I mean, when when asked about Ryan Helinski, was there any any sort of plan? Where did he factor in? You know, with the the quarterback competition or what have you? Um, and basically said, you know, there was no plan for him to get in the game. And and I, I just again, it, it sucks because again, like I said, I was close enough to the field, I could see body language, and I mean, he was dejected, I, flat out dejected, and and I get it. I totally get it. You're talking about a guy that played good football for you last year, battled for you, went to war for you, had a hurt leg. I mean, God, he he did all he could. Did all he could for you as a true freshman. And just to see the fall from grace. And I know a lot of people hold some resentment towards Mike Bobo for it because I don't think, you know, I'll tell you guys too, I agree. I don't think Bobo's the biggest fan of Ryan. I mean, bottom line, I, I just don't think he he likes his game all that much. But... I think going into next season, again, especially with the new head coach, and I think the offense probably is going to go towards a spread, and they're going to want a mobile quarterback. Um, I think the job will be Luke Doty's to lose, to be totally honest with you. And I don't know if Colin Hill's going to come back. I, I, I tend to think no, just because I don't think Bobo's going to stay here. And if Bobo's not here, I just don't understand why Colin would return. Maybe he will. But, no, nah, I mean, I, I just think, unfortunately, you know, with everything that's happened and, I mean, dude, the, the dude's falling to QB3. So, I, I don't think there's any way Ryan Linsky's back next year. And it's unfortunate. It sucks. I know a lot of people are going to be upset. And they're not going to be happy with that. But, you know, I just think that's the reality. I mean, what, what's the other option? Him sit on the sideline and hold a clipboard for the rest of his career? He don't want to do that. The guy's got aspirations of the league. You want him to go somewhere he can play. So, you know, it's unfortunate, but hey, like I said, this is this is big time SEC football and there's business decisions made. Hey, when you sign your letter of intent, there's no guarantee you're going to be the starter. There's no guarantee whatsoever. So if I had to guess, I think Ryan will transfer and I think he'll probably go to a smaller in-state South Carolina school. I think that's probably where you're going to see him end up. If I had to guess. So, yeah, appreciate the question, man. Appreciate the question. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. It's your boy, uh, Peyton Dawkins, you know, one of your biggest supporters. Um, Man, I'm that's the most fired up I am after a loss in a very long time. I mean, man, and the, the biggest thing to me, I mean, I know Duty's going to get all the attention from South Carolina fans, but the biggest thing to me is how much Champ basically scapegoated Traveris Robinson. And uh, T-Rob called a hell of a game tonight, and the defense played inspired ball. The secondary looked the best it has all year, except for the one coverage that was busted. Uh, Doty's the real deal, man. He's uh, he's raw. He's raw as hell. He looks like 
Connor Shaw did when he was got in against uh, FAU his freshman year. But man, it's it's really exciting, and I've also I also hated the Beamer talk at first, but honestly, man, reading all the things I have about him, you know, I'm hopping on that train now. I hope I hope he's the guy. But man, it's it's really exciting thinking about uh, the defense next year, Lloyd coming back with Harris and Fenwick. It's going to be real great. Offensive line had their worst game of the year, and Doty made them look better, or he made he made more happen with them. Um, but, yeah, and it's just amazing to see the difference when Muschamp and his toxic culture kind of washed out of the team. Uh, really exciting, really exciting. Um, I want to hear your thoughts on um, T-Rob, how he did, and Doty. I mean, I know – I know he looks raw as a passer, but man, seeing that kid run, escape the pocket when I counted at least four or five sacks if Colin Hill stays in. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts, man. Appreciate it. Look forward to listening to the show tomorrow. Hey, man, thanks for the voicemail. That was a great call. No, that was a great call. A um, lot to unpack. I will say, I thought T Rob called a hell of a game. And, and you know, I haven't spent, you, you probably noticed, I haven't spent this show jabbing Muschamp because I could have done it right I mean we, we could say oh look what Muschamp did you know that yep look how much better that looked thanks Muschamp look at that thanks Muschamp I haven't spent the show doing that because I, I'm just I'm just sick of talking about it to be honest with you guys like I, he's gone he's fired it's over whatever you know what I mean like I don't have that pettiness in my heart where I feel the need um but I mean it's a fair point because it, it's hard to fathom it's hard to understand defensively how again you fire your defensive head coach but your defense looks better, like world's better. I was like, who are these guys without your two best DBs, arguably? It was crazy. So, and again, it's one game. Mizzou is not some offensive juggernaut by any means, but I mean, God, you haven't been able to stop anybody. And yeah, I mean, I I thought T-Rob called a good game. I mean, I, I thought he had that defense ready to go. I didn't see any major, major busts, like you said, besides the one. Um, yeah, especially that second half. You pitch a shutout, man. You did your job as a defense. Um, you said it all about Luke Doty, and we've been talking about it all show, man. He, he, he Again, to encapsulate what you said, he gives his team hope. He gives his fan base hope. He gives his program hope. Uh, agree 100%. There were four or five plays, like you said, that, I mean, let's just call it. It's a sack with Colin Hill. There's no doubt. And with Luke, again, that's the difference. You're able to make something out of nothing. And, again, I agree with you. That's a great comparison. He looks like a freshman Connor Shaw. It was the ghost of Connor Shaw on the field Saturday night. So, you know, fantastic voicemail, bro. Like I said, I think you hit hit the nail on the head. And, again, you might lose these last two games, whatever, but you got hope. You've got hope with a guy like Doty. And, again, like I said, I, I could have spent this entire show taking jabs at Muschamp and saying, oh, this was his fault and that was his fault and look at this and look at that. And the, I think the results on the field, man, speak for itself. I, I really do. I, and it's, 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 it's crazy to think changing one thing could have that big of an impact. But that's why there was a change made. And... I don't know what happens if Muschamp's still the head coach. I don't know what the score is if Muschamp's still the head coach in that game. I don't know if Luke Doty gets in. I don't know. I don't know how the defense plays. But I know what I saw on Saturday night, and I saw a willingness to change quarterbacks, and I saw a defense that looked the best it's looked in over a month. So 
Riddle me that. <laughs> Riddle me that. So we got one final voicemail, and we'll get into questions and wrap things up. Hey, Chris, want to get a quick reaction to the game. Man, what a, what a difference a running quarterback makes. I know a lot of people are going to say that, but you saw it right away. Luke Doty, uh, Missouri called a similar blitz, got them free. Doty gives them a little shake, and he's all from it. So what a difference a running quarterback makes. I, I, everybody's going to say it. They wish Doty had started the game, played the whole game. Uh, it just – I hate that we couldn't see the full spectrum of him, full capability. You know, Shai Smith goes down early. I would have loved to see him in the two-minute offense with all the receivers at his disposal. But, you know, I got to say, it was really nice to watch. It was it was just different, you know. Uh, hats off to the defense. You know, not a great first half, but I thought they really stepped up and played well in the second half. You don't have J.C., you don't have Izzy, but I thought, you know, Cam Smith, other than the touchdown, had the pick that kind of saved uh, one other possession. I thought Johnny Dixon did some good things. I thought uh, Jamie had a pretty good game, so intriguing stuff you know some good stuff from the defense so uh you know it's a loss it still sucks but there's some good to take away from this so we'll see what happens going forward so there's my quick reaction from the game talk to you later Chris. tim always appreciate the call man it's always a pleasure to chat with you and uh i tell you man just listening to your your voicemail and and thinking back yet again um you're talking about you know Cam's game and, and RJ or not RJ but uh, Jammy and and John Dixon and these other guys and I'm thinking about all this young talent and I, it's just it's baffling how one change can change the entire outlook on things. I mean, you get rid of Muschamp and all of a sudden, like I said, guys, this is probably the most positive you've ever heard me ever, or at least in a while. Because I mean, like I said, there hadn't been <laughs> there hadn't been many positives to draw especially the last two seasons. I mean, they just really hadn't called for what it is. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, th- I thought those guys in the secondary, especially second half, like you said, stepped up. And again, it just injecting Luke Doty in the game just injected an excitement. I know into me, and I know most people probably watching, like you kind of sat up in your chair. You're like, oh, look at this. It, it was it was a breath of fresh air. That's the best way to put it. It was refreshing. It was a breath of fresh air seeing a guy in there that you felt like, hey, any play now, he could make a big play. It's exciting to watch. And I know that was, again, that was that was refreshing for all of us. So um, appreciate the voicemails, guys. Tim, appreciate your call, man. I, I really do appreciate you all interacting and calling in post-game and uh, really good stuff. All right, let's fly through these listener questions, and then we will get to our interview. Uh, let's see. Dalton aren't 12. Doty is an absolute unit. I agree, sir. Um, T-Buddy4, words can't describe how proud I am of the boys for fighting their asses off. Agree 110%, man. That was, like I said, that was my biggest takeaway for sure. Um, Jacob underscore Union01, what are your thoughts on Luke Doty's performance tonight? One simple statement. QB1. QB1. Uh, Rigo underscore Lopez 12. Glad we put up a fight at the end and we need to keep Doty as the starter. Agree hundred uh, percent. Rally dot zero zero seven dot Paris. Why did it take until the eighth game for us to find our quarterback? I, hey, I, I, that's a fantastic question. I don't know if they didn't think he was ready. I don't know if they just finally had enough of Colin Hill. I, I don't know. I don't know. Was it Will Muschamp? Hell, I don't know. I don't know. But again, it's, it's obvious after that game Saturday night, he is by far this team's best option behind center. Um, 
Trey tomorrow. Doty's a centerpiece to build around. Agree 100%. Uh, let's see. Brennan underscore Smith 47. Guys fought hard even before Luke came in. Also, Lucas R. Doty is a god. Uh, no, the guys did fight their tails off, like I said. Even in the first half, I mean, the defense did all they could. Offense was terrible. Defense did all they could. Thomas underscore Brady underscore H. Proud of the guys for showing a lot of effort despite the odds against us. Fans were loud, too. Yeah, I thought the crowd was decent. Somebody told me it wasn't a really, really good crowd, and I know it was only like 13,000. That was my first game of the season, so I didn't know any different, but I, I thought the fans showed up, and they were definitely loud in the second half. Um, Hudson underscore the underscore Boykin. Think if Doty would have started, we would have won. I, I, I don't know. It's tough to say. I think we'd had a really good chance, though. I mean, heck, you only lost by seven points. So you'd like to think you, you maybe would have had a shot, but we'll never know. So... Trip underscore zero five. I love Doty. Start him till Stockton gets there. It'll be a great battle between those two guys. There's no question. And last question. CB3 underscore presents underscore. Do you think Doty will have the same success against Georgia? And will you go to the game? Will Doty have the same success against Georgia? I'm, I'm very hesitant to say yes, because Georgia, I think, has one of the best defenses in the country. But hey, they gave up 24 to Mississippi State. And I'm not, I'm not saying your offense at South Carolina is as good as that one in Mississippi State. I certainly don't think so. But who knows? You know, who knows? I think it'll be fun to watch, if nothing else. And that's more than you can say for, I think, if you trot Colin Hill out there. So I think you got to roll with Luke against Georgia. Let the young freshman get his feet wet. He's going to make freshman mistakes. Who cares? And I know that's what all Gamecock fans will say. Who gives a damn? If he makes freshman mistakes, cool. Take your lumps now. Why not? And will I be at the game? That is yet to be determined. I'm still trying to figure that out. So just uh, just bear with me. There's a possibility. But bear with me, I might be in the building on Saturday night. So we'll see. All right, guys, thank you so much again for the questions, for the voicemails. Again, guys, I just want to echo once more, like I said at the beginning of the show, to everyone that showed love, man, that reached out, even the people that just DM, but anybody, everybody, takes the time out of their day to listen, to show love, consume the content, share the content. I know you guys, maybe you get sick of me saying that, but I just, I truly am thankful and gracious. And it, it's, I mean, it's a blessing beyond words can describe, man. I mean, you guys are the engine that makes this thing go. And I, I, I couldn't be happier, man. I, honestly, it's, it's like overwhelming almost, man. And it was just so awesome. And that's what I missed the most on Saturday night was getting to meet people and talk with people and interact with people and talk Gamecocks football and, uh, you know, share that love of it with people, man. So thank you guys so much. Thank you all for tuning in here on a Monday. Obviously, again, it is Georgia week to hell with Georgia. And stay tuned for this interview. Vic Hampton, former Gamecocks defensive back again. Vic, an awesome guy. I mean, he does not hold back either. Had him on over the summer. Um, a different conversation this time around. Talking state of the program, head coaching search, what he wants to see, culture. We get into a lot, guys. So again, thank you so much. Enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks defensive back, Vic Hampton. One big problem that I've seen when this whole transition took over is that the the guys with that mindset we weren't we weren't around, um, and the guys that are in the NFL from from those times, of course, they can't be around like that during the season. But some of the guys who, like myself, um, some guys that didn't make it all the way to the league still currently. Those are the guys that built that built that culture that you should find a way to have around. So, you know, that standard is still there. That's really what I feel like the difference was. No one who created the best standards from that 2009 to 2014 seasons, no one was there. You know what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe just Lattimore. Um, and uh, that's pretty pretty much it. Like that's been around the program. Um 
yeah, man, I, I just think that's the biggest difference, bro. Um, those guys, they brought a whole new a whole new coaching staff. First off, Spurrier left them in a bad position. Let's mm-hmm. go ahead and be yeah. honest about that. Oh, yeah. Um, he did not leave the school with the best talent, and he did not bring in the best talent once, like the Squarengers, the Mees, the Clownies, the Ingrams, you know, the Shaqs, the Devontae Hollemans, you know, Ellington. Like, well, our, whole, our whole team had the same type of mindset. You know what I'm saying? We also did things outside of, the like, the facility. I don't see those teams doing anything together, like, outside the facilities that's not – put together by the staff. Mm. Like we had our own leaders, you know what I'm mm. saying? We would do our own things together. Coaches wouldn't have to be involved. I don't see that going on at the school currently. So yeah. Well, Vic, I, I, we're, we're going to go ahead and roll into it because I want to start with that comment again, guys, if you're tuned in, obviously he's Vic Hampton, 2010 to 2013, 105 tackles, eight tackles for loss, a sack, five interceptions. He was second team all sec in 2013. And of course helped lead the Gamecocks to three straight 11-win seasons, bowl games, never lost to Clemson. You guys know, again, he's been on the show before. Um, So first things first, again, Vic, like I said, we're going to start with that comment, but uh, obviously the listeners just tuning in, man, appreciate you taking the time. How have you been, man? Again, how's how's life? Let's get a life update because I know this conversation is going to be a little bit different than last time because, again, had you on over the summer. We broke down your career. We can talk about it a little bit more if you want, but, uh, man, it's great to see you. Like I told you, uh, Couple of days ago, we upgraded a little bit. We got the video, so everybody can see your see your face now. <laughs> but uh, nah, man, it's always a pleasure to chat with you, and, and thanks for taking the time, man. Seriously. Hey, man, you got to start somewhere, bro. If you don't believe yeah. me, podcast, who will? That's it. That's it, man. No, like I said, like I said, we're bringing you on at a really interesting time. But you know, we're culture seems to be the big thing we're talking about. And, you know, we were talking about the difference between the Spurrier guys and the Muschamp guy, and just really what's going on right now. Um, at South Carolina. But I, I want to ask you, because again, we talked a lot about your playing career and the specifics of it the last time you were on the show. But since it's the point of conversation, I, I want to ask you again about, just talk about, you know, because Connor Shaw is a guy that has talked a lot this week, and I'm sure you saw his interview and sort of what he was uh, what he was discussing. The best cultures are player-led. And again, of course, you were a part of those teams that Connor was on I want to hear your take on what Connor said, and then what was the culture like when you were there again? You know, winning his team in school history, winning his teams in school history, I should say, again, 10 to 13. I mean, the best times of Gamecock football. What do you remember most from, like you were saying, off the field as well, but on the field, in the locker room with the guys? What what was that like? Because I feel like it was a culture, like Connor said, where Coach Spurrier didn't have to hold you guys accountable. It was very much the players holding each other accountable. We had grown men when I came in. Um, my rookie, I mean, not my rookie year, my freshman year, I, re- I wanted to red shirt and I could have played, but I wanted to red, red shirt. And, um, the guys on the team that year were, um, we had like a lot of juniors and seniors, you know what I'm saying? So um, the culture was already built. You know, when I came, when I came, the culture was just like starting to be built. So my visits were, you know, we had house parties, you know, we had, they had cookouts. Um, we we had things where we would go to the bowling alley, like, and it was not set up by the coach. You know, this was all set up by the leaders on the team. You know what I'm saying? So it was, as soon as you got in there, as soon as you came to school, you was like, you know, you felt it. You felt the difference. The game I went to, um, like I told you last time, was that Ole Miss game. We'd be mm-hmm. Ole Miss that Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Man, that was, I, I damn near committed that day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, um, 
I don't know. I think I think now it's like starting over. The the guys that became the leaders of the team, they didn't even have leaders themselves. Mm. So it was like they didn't really know what to lead. You know what I'm saying? And then it was riding on our winnings. So they never right, really won themselves. They were kind of coming into something that was already built. And then those people that built it wasn't even there no more, including the coach. So it's like y'all trying to keep, keep the same thing, but the whole program is different, you know? So mm. that was probably the biggest thing that I see the differences, the coaching and the players that were brought in didn't have the same mentality that we had once we were there. Yeah, talk about that leadership aspect of it. Because, again, you know, I was kind of telling fans I, I was kicking myself because I haven't talked about it all season. And that's something that's so important when it comes to you taking a look at a football team. And, you know, it's, it's a question you need to ask yourself in the preseason as you start, like, who are the leaders on the football team? Who are the guys that when things get tough? Because you're going to face adversity, no matter in sport, but especially football. Like, there's going to be times where things do not go your way. It's probably going to happen pretty often. Who are the guys that are going to step up and say, you know, put their foot down. This is not acceptable. We're going to change it. Talk about again when you were there, because I know later in your tenure and your career, you were a leader on that Gamecocks defense. But just, I, I guess, break down as far as those leadership qualities. I know you play with DJ Swearinger, obviously. Everybody looks at him. But, like, was it for you guys, was it one specific leader? Because you talked about Shaq, too. I think he's extremely underrated what he did for y'all's defense um, as far as – the checks and communications. And, you know, I talked to Aldrich Fordham a couple of days ago and he was talking about that too. And I'm like, I feel like Shaq was a really underrated player at South Carolina, like for what he did. Probably, Shaq is probably the most underrated player ever. Yeah. That, um, he ran our defense. Yeah. Um, he was the backbone of our defense. He was the leader of our defense. He spoke up when he needed to. And then he was the littlest, mm. you know what I'm saying? For the position that he was playing at. So, like, did you feel like it was one leader or a bunch of leaders on the team, or like, no, how, how did that? How did that go? Everyone, everyone led. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is, everyone had their individual job. See, we had a different coordinator, Coach Ward. Coach Ward was our defensive coordinator at that time. When I first came in, it was Coach Johnson. Yeah, and then it became Coach Ward. So, Coach Ward is more of a players type of coach. You know, he's that guy that he will step in, but he want y'all to handle shit. You know what I'm saying? Like he want he gives the leaders on the defense the opportunity to lead the way it's supposed to be leading. That's like that's how you do it, man. Like you put people in position, you delegate. You know what I'm saying? You step in when you have to as a coach. But your your the best teams are the ones that have the players to coach themselves and hold themselves accountable. You know what I'm saying? So on our team, when I came in, we had veterans. You know, we had Chris Culliver, we had Stephon Gilmore, we had Devontae Holliman. We had a lot of like, specifically in my room, a lot of people who were like already good leaders, had knew what they were doing, was going to hold themselves accountable. So that's the biggest difference, man. We had a lot of leaders, but everyone took care of their job. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? We counted on each other to take care of their responsibility. And um, if you wasn't, you wasn't getting no PT. Yeah, you, you, know you I was going to ask, you know the game of football. Do you think that's something you have to find and identify in recruiting? Or do guys get on campus, you think, and evolve into those guys? Or it is, is it a mix? It's a mix. Because um, you can go recruit you can go recruit uh, a top talent, and then he come in and may not plan out to be it. Then you can go recruit someone who wasn't a top talent, and they come out and come into college and, and turn out to be more than what anybody thought they would be. Um, but that was one thing I think we stopped doing. I don't know if Coach Spur was still going to them homes like he was coming to mine, right, going right. To dancing for them. It got to a point where we were so good 
at South Carolina better than we ever were, at least, to where I think um, they kind of started thinking that people were just going to come. You know right. what I'm saying? Following, following, following. We had high draft picks, number one draft mm-hmm. picks, top 10 draft picks. So things started, you know, looking up to where um, I don't think um, Coach Perry went as hard as he did earlier in his career, right. um, closer to the end. For sure. Well, that leads me to – I want to ask you a little bit about the Muschamp tenure because obviously we're talking here. It's It's been less than a week than he's been relieved of his duties, and obviously we are joking before we actually went live that it's been – a little bit of a shit storm. Um, there's just no other way to put it. But I'll ask you. Do what? Stevens Garcia tweet just popped up on my. Um, yeah. On my while we were, while we were uh, dude, every everybody everybody's chatting. Which Steven, I will say by the way, had some really really good comments and good perspective on the future of the program. And he's optimistic. He has an optimistic outlook. When I'm which I'm sure you do as well. But I, I just want to get your take on his dismissal as a whole, just from the outside looking in. Like, were you surprised? Did you see it coming? Are you? I don't want to say like happy about it in the sense of the man lost his job, but as far as Gamecock football moving in a different direction, like I guess just what was your overall take when you saw that news drop? Uh, I was like 50 50. Um, 50 50 was kind of like, you know, I know we gave him like five years. We gave him like mm-hmm. a five year deal yeah. or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm like, I was like 50 50, man. Like, you know, do I want, can I go through two more years of this? You know what I'm saying? As a fan and as a former player, and, and give him his opportunity of five years to like really see can he fix it and turn it around, get the players that he really want in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then part of it was like, man, this this shit ain't it. Like mm-hmm. it's something, it's something about well, especially on the defensive side. I know that had to kill you watching those games. I mean, it was brutal. These see, last I, three, especially. Well, man, like man, there's only one team that I think did us like how they seem like they're getting done every game. And right. that was, um, that was, uh, Auburn that, yeah. that one time in the SEC championship yeah. where Cam Newton going right Man. with Cam Newton <laughs> and they caught a Hail Mary before halftime. And right. it was just like, but it was like, that was happening every game. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, like, and then another thing, like I can't name not one D lineman. Yeah. Like our school was built off that bro. Like, mm-hmm. Where's the D line? Like, yeah, and it's kind of when I had TJ Gurley on the show, which was one of your teammates um, in the back end. I asked him what happened in 2014, and he put it beautifully. He's like, you know what? A, be- a secondary's best friend is a good pass rush, and we did not have it. <laughs> I mean, you know, just call it what it is. It's it's a lot easier to play DB when Jadavion Clowney's breathing down the quarterback's neck. I mean, makes it fun for you guys. I think a play right now that uh, JD saved me on. Where it would have probably been a long touchdown, but since he batted the ball down, <laughs> yeah, you know, and so yes, the uh, uh, that is hands down the biggest difference I see because I when they talk about our DBs, they're supposed to be good, right? Yeah, so, I mean, you, like you said, I mean, we're going to get to this in just a second, but JC Horn probably going to be a first round draft pick, Israel McQuamu is going to get drafted, yet you're still giving up 288 yards per game passing. It's like, right, that makes it does that make sense? They can't cover forever, man. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. We can't like you can't cover forever. Uh, the other teams wide receivers are trying to get paid like you trying to get paid. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the biggest difference, man. Like them boys ain't getting no pressure, and then offense, man, it's just there's absolutely like no excitement, no big plays. Like the wide receivers, like no disrespect to them, but I don't know them. Like yeah. I just never heard of them. And it's like I don't know, man. Like 
I don't know. When I was there, you can almost name every wide receiver. You yeah. know, you had A. Sanders, you had Alshon Jeffrey, you had Jason Barnes, you had Wesley Saunders, Bruce Ellington. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just had a, I don't know, man, Demir Bird, which is yeah. Nikki Jones. Nikki right Jones. Now. Nikki Jones, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So even from our receivers that people, you know, they didn't start. When they got in, they still was a threat. You know what I'm saying? It's like now it's like Scott Smith and then – who else? Like, yeah. Who else? Like in year in year five, and I think that's what's really irritated people is it's year five, and like you said, South Carolina's always had great wide receivers. I mean, just it's been no matter if the team was great or awful, there have been great wide receivers. That's why it was so surprising, you know, to me in year five and great DBs too. I will say honestly, South Carolina has been really good at the skill positions. I feel like like no matter what. Facts. Uh, the biggest difference I think I see though is is our interior, bro. Yeah. Our interior is so. So different. Our offensive line, defensive line. Our, it seems like we still have good running backs. Our running backs seem like they're still pretty decent. They can make plays. Um, I don't know what's going on with the quarterback position. Like, I don't have a – I don't understand. We went and got some fifth-year guy from Colorado State or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't understand. Why did we go get the Halisky kid or give him the opportunity to take Jake Brentley's job if we wasn't going to believe in him enough to – I didn't think he was that bad last yeah. year. No, I, I listen. A lot of fans are are asking that question. I, I trust me. I I I agree with you. And and I, I'm someone even that's been in in Hill's corner a little bit. That I, I don't think he's played that bad. But it's kind of like we were just talking off air a little bit. That you know, unfortunately, just call it what it is the season's a bit of a wash. So why not? You know what I mean? Like why not play the other guys and you're still not seeing it? I think that's you know irked South Carolina fans certainly, no doubt. Yeah, I mean we we. We got whooped about – what do we get? We got whooped about LSU. Mm. Texas a and and then Ole Miss. Texas A&M. And then we just got whooped about Ole Miss. After, and these were after bye weeks. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. And, like, that Texas A&M game was hard to watch, yeah. bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was really hard yeah. to watch. And then, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's a definitely a different culture around there. Uh, the Muschamp thing, though, like, I don't have anything against Muschamp, so I hope no one takes this the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would have loved to have the opportunity to work with them. I wanted to work with them. You know what I'm saying? I had a couple opportunities, but I was still chasing football, too. But to me, Muschamp was never the guy from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just me personally. Um, just off his history from Florida, um, he took a program that was up there and kind of, like, brought him down. Mm-hmm. So we were expecting for him to bring a program that was like here to there. I, I just didn't, I didn't understand the move, but. Yeah. And listen, many, many people would agree with you. I mean, it was a, it was a risky hire for sure off the jump. And I think that's putting it very, very nicely. I, I, I want to move into this because this week, one really big positive did happen. And that was Connor Shaw is moving on the field, taking an on-field position, at least for these last three games, who knows what the future holds beyond that point. But Connor is going to be quarterback's coach. And we saw before the season, I thought it was awesome that Rod Wilson got a position on the staff, former Gamecocks linebacker, played in the mid-2000s. But obviously, it's going to be headline news when Connor gets that position. Again, quarterback's coach, getting him on field. And then he goes in the presser and kills it. I mean, absolutely kills it. His, you know, has his, his pitch to recruits about, you know, playing for this on the front of the jersey and all that. I'll just ask you, because I know that's one of the things, again, we talked about a little bit earlier, and I know a lot of the former guys I talked to, like, they want to see more of that. They want to see more of those, those former players and alumni, and especially from those teams that had the impact on Gamecock football they had. 
getting in the building, getting back in the building. And heck, I talked about it on social media. I think it's really important to get you guys back in the building because as DJ Swearinger told me, somewhere along the way, the standard got lost to an extent. And I think it has a little bit. And I think getting, again, those guys back in the building that can say, hey, like it is possible to win 11 games here. It is possible to compete for the SEC East. I think getting you guys back in the building is super important. But I just want to get your thoughts. You know, when you saw the comments from Connor Shaw and saw that he had gotten gotten that promotion, he's going to be on-field coaching quarterbacks. What, what were your thoughts on that? I was excited. Uh, I see, I see, I see. 2009 to 2013 coming back just from that first hire just from him Connor was that dude like he didn't talk a lot but his performance did mm. and then when he did speak a lot it was powerful just like his press conference yeah so everyone shut the fuck up and listen and he has you you can only bring confidence to a program like he will when someone has actually been successful like he has you know what I'm saying that's why he's able to go like this because he knew at one point we were finishing in the top five. We were winning 11 games a year. We was beating Clemson every year, the same team that's been winning national championships. They couldn't touch us. You know what I'm saying? So you have to bring that confidence like he's going to bring because he's done it. He's done it. He's played in Williams Bryce. He's come, he's been hurt, come back and scored 28 points in the fourth quarter to bring us back to beat Missouri. He's done that type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? So once you put somebody like that in position, it's going to be hard for it not to resonate with the players there. Because, mm. you know, they seen, they know who he is. Dude, and I, I saw so many former players that played with him or even past and present. Whatever. I saw so many former guys, like, maybe speak out that I had never seen post or say any – because, like, I mean, like you said, like, Connor is, like, the leader of South Carolina. Like, that's that's – he is truly, like – like you said, he's a guy that, and even, you know, just watching him, obviously, from afar, but not the rah-rah vocal, but like you said, he's a guy when he speaks is powerful, and I thought that's really what it was. And again, I saw so many former players coming out the woodwork and how 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 much they loved that, seeing that, hearing that. I, I Dude, I just thought that was so awesome. I really thought that was tired. awesome. We've been tired of this. Like, we've been tired of it, like. People ask, like, why don't they, why don't we come around? We come around, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, everyone is not welcome the same way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and everyone, and what what people must understand too, as fans, y'all are not in the building every day. You know, y'all don't wake up at 5 a.m., 6 a.m. and go to the workouts with these script coaches and coaches. You don't know how everyone's treated. So just because, you know, our players uh done well here, um, you know, went under the radar and, and, and performed, made it to the NFL. That doesn't mean that he all the way enjoyed his time here, if that makes right. sense. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got a different experience, which is why Everybody I like bringing – that's why I like bringing the former players on. Because it, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, you know, because I've had some guys where it wasn't. You know, Savelle Newton was probably the first interview I had where he was very honest about how it went. And I, But I think it's good to hear that. I think it's good to hear the perspectives and hear everybody's perspective and just hear them out. I, I think that's a positive thing. I really do. I heard his interview with Corey Miller. Hmm. And I think a lot of people um, view our school now like Corey Miller, and that's the problem. Yeah, Corey Miller looks at the firing as stupid because the school has always been mediocre. No, we haven't been. No. There were years where we were not mediocre. The years that I was there, we were not mediocre at all. We were literally, he said, we, the best season we had, we got smacked in the SEC championship. That is a lie. Mm. That was not the best season we had. We were nine and five that year. 
and went to the SEC. We won 11 games straight the next three years and never saw the SEC again. So that's how it played out for us. Like, mm-hmm. we had a big win in, in, in uh, 2010 against Alabama and stuff, but that wasn't the best season we had. Yeah, and I bet you would argue that wasn't the best team either. I mean, no, it was not, not even close, yeah. No, it was not. It was not at all. Yeah. Well, I, I want to get your take on this too, Vic, because you, you mentioned again, fans are not in the building. Fans do not see what's going on behind closed doors. They don't know how it is as far as relationships and what's going on. And and they're not, you know, here, here's the thing. They're not the ones putting in the work. They're not the ones, like you said, waking up at 5 a.m. doing all that. So let's move to this because the, the opt-out decisions, J.C. Horn and Ishmael Kwamu, and, and I more so want to get your take on, because I'm sure there are, I know for a fact there are people tuned in right now that do not agree. They think JC and Izzy are quitters. They quit on their team. They quit on the fans, whatever. They, they, don't, they don't approve of the decision. I, I've already told you and went on record, don't love it, but I fully respect. Those guys made a business decision. Wish them nothing but the best. I hope they succeed and flourish, and they'll always be Gamecocks, and I know I'll be cheering from them for afar, from, or from afar. Obviously, wanting to have as much success as possible. But you are a guy, Vic that you've chased the NFL dream. I don't know, maybe you still are, but you 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 know firsthand what J.C. Horn and Ishmael Kwamu are preparing to enter to and what they're getting ready for. Um, just talk, and I know, again, opting out wasn't a thing when you were at South Carolina, right? That's become, like, over the last couple of years, more of a new thing, like guys not playing in bowl games. And, because I know a lot of fans love to look at, you know, I mean, you were on the team. J.D. Clowney was the consensus number one pick. I, it started at our school. Yeah, well, I mean, I was just going to say, J.D., yeah, that, that that talk of it did at least. I mean, J.D. Clowney yeah. was the consensus number one pick in 2013. There are people telling him not even to play the season. And yeah, he didn't have to play a down. He didn't have to play a down, and he ended up he ended up doing so and played in the bowl game. So yeah, our, our team was like that, though. Right. You know, he had a reason to play. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a potential 11-win season, championship season. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the players that he was playing with, the – the camaraderie that like mm-hmm. we had, he, he was the, the hands down the most noticeable player, but he wasn't the leader. Right. So he, he still had people on the team that he looked up to people. We, we were actually like a real brotherhood. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So he knew like him not playing with would let us down. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because we actually had something to play for. Yeah. In this situation, them boys don't got nothing to play for, man. Like, mm-hmm. are they going to a bowl game? You know what I'm saying? Like, the coach is gone. You know what I'm saying? They're going to be gone no matter what next year. So why not? Let's let's start seeing, like, these players that we're going to need next year. Let's yeah. go ahead and put them in the fire now. So so now that the new coach that's coming in can say, all right, at least I know I got this guy, mm-hmm. this guy. Like, we need to go ahead and start, like, seeing what we have. And, and, that's the, and that's the positive spin I've tried to tell fans, too, is, like, just look at it as a positive. Like you said, they're not going to be there next year anyway. So why not start getting these young guys, get their feet wet, see what they can do. I mean, you know how valuable reps are. I mean, you, you can do it in practice all day, but you, you got to get in-game reps. So, I mean, hey, throw them to the fire, whatever, see how they react. Like, why not? You know what I mean? So you've been throwing the, the starters into the fire and they've been getting fired up. So what's, <laughs> you know, what's the difference, right, man? Right, But no, nah, I, I, I wish fans, like, I wish fans would have, would sit down and think about things sometime before. They kind of, like, tweet about 18, uh, 19, 20-year-old kids' decisions that they're trying to change their families' lives. You don't know if these kids' moms are home. Like, with me, I had another year at South Carolina. Mm. My mom was homeless. My mom lived with me in college. My mom, my sister, 
lived with me in college. So I didn't have opportunity to say, hey, I need to stay one more year. You know, like I didn't have that opportunity. I had to go and take care of my family and I wound up getting in some trouble and messing that up too, but that's here nor there. What I'm saying is we don't know their family situation. We don't know what they're really going through in life to where they don't want to jeopardize an injury and lose maybe two, three million dollars for a season that's not going to help them yeah. progress anymore. So I just say to fans, man, just think about it deeper than yeah. what it's like on the outside looking in sometimes. Yeah. No, I think you bring great perspective to it. I, I, I really do. Like, like I said, I, I think that the guys are doing what's best for them. And like I said, I, I think fans need to fully support. And like I said, be excited for the guys that are going to play tomorrow. Or, or right. on Saturday, right? Be be excited for the young bucks. That I mean, you you know, you never know. I, I'll ask you this, Vic. By the way, because you know, there again, social media has been a complete shitstorm. Um, you know, call it for what it is. Javon Kinlaw goes on says that Gamecock fans are the worst. I want to hear from your perspective, not necessarily on that tweet, because again, emotions are running high. His coach that he played under just got fired. Fan, you know, it's all you know, kind of swirling. I want to go a different direction. I want to hear your perspective. Again, I, I know things were a lot different because you guys were winning a ton of games, but on a positive note, what were your interactions like with the fans, with South Carolina fans? Like, what stands out? What do you remember from, hey, if, if it wasn't all, you know, sunshine and rainbows, you can be honest and blunt about that as well. But, like, what? I just want to hear your memories and thoughts on Gamecock fans. Uh, I think I was a fan favorite. Um like the things I used to do with fans and like I was that guy at the spring game that went outside and signed autographs for three hours after the spring game. You know what I'm saying? Like um, my experience with the fans was completely different. Um, then I had more fun from the fans than I might have did from my coaches. Um, my, 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 my fans, my fan experience at South Carolina was pretty awesome. Even to this day, when I come around the program or come to a game, um, they show me love, you know what I'm saying? So um, I don't have – that was probably my best experience with the school, you know, just mm-hmm. um, the fans, you know, recognizing the the talent that I had, um, not disowning me as one of the guys who came in with like the – of course you had some of those fans that talked about my history, my troubles and things like that, but can't control every fan, you know, right? Right, so, right, right, for sure. From from the most part, man, I disagree with Ken Law on the um, Gamecocks fans are the worst every fan goes through emotions when their team is losing. Mm. And then when they start losing their best players, they also go through their own little emotions too. So um, you got to understand, man, some of these alumni got fans are like players, you know, they feel the same, the same way me and my old teammates feel about the school. Mm. They got that same type of passion, you know what I'm saying? So um, I don't know. You just got to channel it. Um, hopefully he comes out with a tweet and maybe explains a little bit more on why he said it or, um, what made them say it, but um, I think fans shouldn't take it to the to the to the most right now. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Give them an opportunity to redeem themselves. But yeah, he's and like I, said, I I think emotions are flying high, man. I, I I get it, and it's it's unfortunate. It's it's just disappointing. I think if nothing else, for most fans, let let let's move into the future. Let's move into the future. One last thing, thing though. One go, last ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. With the quitter thing, um, I, I don't like that. Um, mm. I don't like that they're calling them quitters. Mm. It's a business decision. Mm. It's not being a quitter, bro. Like, they could have opted out before the season started and still had a damn near the same position that they would have in the draft. So right. let's not call them quitters. Let's just say they made a business decision for themselves. Yeah. That's it. And I agree. And, and I, I've said this this week, and I'll say it again. Even if you feel that way, just don't put it on social media. Like that, yeah. That's the best. Yeah, just, just keep it to yourself, right? I mean, 
we all but, feel certain types of ways about different things, but right, right. Keep keep it keep it locked in. Um, no, like I said, I want to ask you about the future because one of the names circulating right now, and I've seen this guy getting a lot of love, and I mean a lot of support for the head coaching position, and that is Shane Beamer, a guy that you are probably very, very familiar with. I know he recruited some of the top talent ever in South Carolina history. You think of Marcus Lattimore, Alshon Jeffrey, Stephon Gilmore, Melvin Ingram. Did he recruit you? Was he your guy or no? Or did you ever uh, meet him? Or uh, Sperry and uh, Ward. Okay. Did you ever meet Shane Beamer or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was you, there when I, when I came Okay, in. okay. Well, I, I just really want to get your take on this entire coaching search because, again, I, I've seen a lot of your former teammates that have given him – heck, I heard the, the head ball coach gave him the vote of confidence, which is not surprising to me at all. But um, there's been the, the name head, Shane Beamer. Do what? You talking about the head – you talking about Spurrier? Yeah, Spurrier, yeah. Gave, gave, uh, gave Basically just gave the vote of confidence he'd be a good pick for the head, next head coach. Okay, where's where's Shane been? Uh, so Shane up? Beamer is at Oklahoma right now. He's helping out with their offense. He's under Lincoln Riley. Um, he's coached under Riley. He's coached under his dad, obviously Frank Beamer. Obviously coached under Spurrier. Um, so he's never been like a big time coordinator, or obviously a head coach, but he's got a ton of experience. And again, he's a recruit. You know, he's a guy that's been at South Carolina. He's a, a recruiting guy. Um, but I mean, I guess I'll ask you again. There are names floating all around. What do you want to see? from the next head coach? Are there certain qualities? Are there certain things that you're specifically or you specifically would be looking for? Like, what would you like to see from the next head football coach? Um, let's see. If, if, if I was a head coach going into, the new, into this particular program where, where it's at now, mm. I would want to have a coach who wants to – find that culture that was built before it started doing this. Mm -hmm. So I would hopefully it'd be someone open to um, listening to the Connor Shaw's of the world, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe getting input from Connor on, you know, who can maybe come around from those times to maybe help the program get back to where it is. So that would be the first thing I would say, someone who's willing to get the old culture back and not maybe just build a whole new culture again, but, try to get some of those guys who already have the culture built. Um, second, relatable, man. Someone who's relatable to the the, the, the recruits. Someone that um, people want to play for. You know what I'm saying? Um, someone who's not afraid to step into someone's mom's home and be honest. You know what I'm saying? So, also someone who's going to get South Carolina talent to stay here and not go to these other states and go to Clemson. Um, that's what Spurrier did. He won the state, I feel like. Mm -hmm. um, all the top players, that, you know, when I when I came in, it was Lattimore, me, Kelsey. We were like the top three players in the state. Mm -hmm. Then the next year you had, uh, the year before that, you had Mr. Football. You had uh, Stephon Gilmore coming in, right? Devontae mm -hmm. Holloman, all of them. Then a the year after that, you had Clowney. So we kept the, like, mm -hmm. the top prospects in the, in Alshon the state. Alshon, too. Alshon, too. Alshon as well, you know what I'm saying? So then Shaq Rowland. Yeah. Things work out with Shaq, but Shaq Roller was a hell of a talent, bro. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, he was. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. He played good so football at Carolina. Yeah, he did, man. It's just, you know, some that goes to them situations with situations with relationships and coaches. Sometimes right, things. Is, right. Yeah, man, that would be the first thing, man. You know, trying to create that culture by getting the people around that created it. And then second, you know, being a, a coach that somebody already kind of like, when you talk to them, you want to play for them. 
Mm. You know what I'm saying? So that would be the first two things I would say. I would say I know that when I played there, Shane Beamer hated me. <laughs> <laughs> so I probably won't be getting a job if he's hired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, there you go. The truth comes out about Shane Beamer. So yeah. now I, I think a lot of fans, and I, I've even said this too, man, I, th- I think a lot of fans – and some don't, some don't, don't get me wrong, but I think a lot of fans like the idea of Shane Beamer just because he knows what South Carolina looks at, looks like when it's at its best. And I, I, and I think that's valuable. Like, like you said, as far as getting a guy that's like, if it's a, if we're talking purely a culture fit, understands the fan base, understands the team, understands the state. Like, I think he's probably the best bet in this, at, at this point, like, He's literally why? done it. You know Coach what I mean? Johnson, though. Yeah. Why not Coach Johnson? Why not Coach Ward? You know, like these were guys that was really next yeah. to the line. Well, and, that, and that, I'm just throwing, I'm just saying that because Beamer, he's been, his name has been mentioned been, on, uh, among the short yeah. list, right? You also, you got like Billy Napier, who was an offensive coordinator at Clemson in 2010, yeah. but now yeah. the head coach at Louisiana. You got, you know, people have thrown around the name Hugh Freeze. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, they found around about the coastal coach. Who's yeah, that? Jamie Chadwell, um, a guy that he turned around Charleston Southern's program. And obviously he's got coastal Carolina rolling right now, but you know, you're going to be rolling the dice. I think no matter what, with any of these guys, yeah, there's a lot are. of guys that are going to be unproven. You know what I mean? And you're going to just have to roll the dice and take a chance and Hey, it could turn out really, really, really great. I mean, I, I've, I've told strong, so, the, and that's, you know, it's so funny. You bring that up. That's been the rumor that I've at least heard from people is that if Shane Beamer got the job, there's a very strong chance he would bring Charlie Strong in as his defensive coordinator. I like Charlie Strong. He recruited me at, at Florida, man. Like he's a really? guy that people play for. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, he, you know, he was at South Carolina like early 2000s. Nah, Charlie Strong know. was the defensive coordinator under Lou Holtz, so wow. he yeah, he's got game that, and that's what I'm saying. He's got Gamecock ties as well, which is very interesting. So yeah, I think you definitely got to bring somebody in, man. That's that's been here, bro. Like. Mm. Well, and so that's I, you know, I, I know again your former teammate Tory Gurley. One of the things I love that he said is it takes a gamecock to know a gamecock, and I'm like, I think there's some there's some validity to that. You know what I mean? Like, this is a unique job. I think you got to have the yeah. right guy. You because you got everything you need now. Yeah, but you oh, just got to yeah. you just got to have the right person to put it all. Yeah, you know, maybe and, someone who started at the school that when none of this stuff was here. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That understands like, it, yeah. They understand like what they got now. You know what I'm saying? Like right. Florida, when Muschamp was at Florida, he had all that stuff. Yeah. You know? Well, and, that, and that, I was gonna say too. I, I'm sure he won't mind me saying this, but I was talking to uh, your former teammate Kawan Lewis a little bit earlier. Linebacker. And uh, yeah, and he was talking about you know the thing with Spurrier. I mean, as great as he was, obviously, but he said the players always knew he kind of wanted to be in Gainesville. Like it wasn't, you know, I mean, South Carolina wasn't his school. I mean. Right. Obviously did great things, but he was a Gator, right? There's no denying that. So, and we were just talking about, you know, I think, you know, a lot of fans think how cool it would be like a guy like Beamer where it's like, this is his dream job. Like that would be, it'd be cool. You know, I, I don't know. I just, you know, I'm not, and that's not me saying that he's the best pick or that, you know, he would have crazy success, but I think there's some value in that. I do think it's there's about, value. In it's probably about time for Beamer to get his whole head coaching job. It's yeah. been, I haven't seen him in probably seven six seven years mm-hmm. um but at the time he was definitely um an intense coach mm-hmm. um he 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 definitely he coached, and he, he coached dbs right when you were there or did he coach uh special uh, teams special special teams okay special. okay i think he started um, his career at carolina with dbs and then moved to special teams but yeah so uh yeah yeah he, he was 
very, very strategic, very smart coach. Um, when he talked, people did listen. Um, and he was someone that you could you could talk to, even though me and him had our ups and downs. Reason why me and him had our ups and downs because my red shirt year, they wanted me to um, give up my red shirt like the eighth game of the year against Tennessee to basically like block on kickoff return. I'm like, no, bro, like <laughs> I'm not doing that. You feel me? So um, yeah, that was right. that was one of the reasons why we fell out. But other than that, man, he was a good coach. Our special teams was good that year, mm-hmm. um, which is very important. So, um, yeah, he, he has that coaching pedigree. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You really can't take that away from me. So, yeah. probably would be a good choice. For sure. Well, Vic, I'm going to get you out of here again. It's been a great conversation, man. I'm really glad we're going to make this work. But last thing before you go, again, it's tumultuous times right now. Um, emotions are flying, you know, all over the place between fans, alumni, you know, current players. Even You're seeing it all over social media. But – I want to remind people again, we're all Gamecocks. We all have we all have the same goal. I like to remind people, everybody wants to see the same exact thing happen, which is win, and, and win at a high level. I guess my last thing for you, what, what would be, you know, and I know you already kind of have addressed it, but if you could just say one thing to Gamecock fans, obviously you're a guy, again, people are going to listen to because, you know, you have that resume. You were on those fantastic teams and those fantastic defenses and all the success that you guys have. I mean, what, what's one message, I guess, and if you want to inject some positivity, kind of like Steven Garcia did today, like what's your message to Gamecock Nation, uh, you know, being a former player and, again, all the success that you guys have? Um, I feel like, us going through this has showed that the standard ain't what it's been. Um, how the fans feel, how the alumni feel, how former players feel, right? Um, going through these last couple of seasons where um, mediocrity has kind of become acceptable. Um, I think going through this now and seeing the outburst, um, I think the fan base is now back on that 2009, 2010, 2011 age where the standards are, are what they're supposed to be. Um, I think that in the future, we're going to get more of us back around to create that standard um, in that culture again. And I just think you got to bring in the right coach. You bring in the right coach that's willing to um, listen to the guys that created that culture. Um, be a little humble when it comes into the situation, unless you bring in a guy like Beamer who already knows the culture mm-hmm. and uh, knows the former players. But um, I don't think South Carolina is done. Uh, I definitely do feel like there's a lot of people – behind the school that wants to see it back to where it was. So uh, once we put all our heads together and everybody gets on the same page, I don't think we'll be a five-win team for too much longer. Well said, my friend. Well said. Well, hey, Vic, appreciate you taking the time, man. Like I said, it's a pleasure to talk to you as always. And, uh, you know, we'll have to do it again soon, man, for sure. All right, my man. Proud of you too, man. Keep going. Appreciate you, man. He's Vic Camp. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on the episode of the Spurs Up Show.